Fry. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. Coming at you hot two days in a row. Big commitments. And of course, yesterday I promised you that we would have a new commitment this afternoon. Well, it turns out Jonathan Kaminga, former number one prospect in the class of 2021, well, he had different plans. Even though he tweeted and retweeted his plan to commit tomorrow, he committed last night with Shams over the Athletic and Stadium. So here to talk through all this with me and more, I got Brian Snow on the other line. Brian, were you surprised to see him commit last night when he told us twice that he was committing tomorrow? If there's one thing I've learned in this business, it's never be surprised. Uh, with that said, yeah, I mean, I was I was taken aback. I was like, well, you know, move on to something else now and, you know, get the story out and let it go because, you know, Jonathan decided to scoop himself. And if that's apparently his right. I, I was so confused. I woke up this morning, I opened up Slack and I was like, I saw your story sitting there and I was like, wait, is this, is this like pre-written for edits? Did we get like a scoop that he's going pro? And I was like, I'm, I'm rubbing like the crap out of my eyes. I, I look and see, no, like he just committed last night. And I was like, dang. <laughs> so we got we got a lot of stories to to work through. He's he Jonathan Kaminga, six eight small forward, really talented guy, big time scorer. He's now moved from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty. We'll talk about where he fits in that class. He's obviously joining the G League. We're gonna have to talk about that. But I guess the first thing I, I wanted to run by you is Kaminga is now the fifth guy in the class of twenty twenty to uh, go to the G League developmental program along with Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, Dacian Nix, and Kai Soto. And, well, they they finally have a starting five. And so my question for you is, if that was a starting five in college basketball with Kai Soto at the five, Isaiah Todd at the four, Jalen Green, and Jonathan Kaminga on the wings, and then Dacian Nix at the point, where would that uh, slide in among, like, how would you rank that among starting fives in college basketball this year? Um, it would certainly be one of the most talented. They wouldn't be a team that wins in college. They would win, but they wouldn't they wouldn't be a, a legit national title contender in all likelihood. Um, that's just typically not the way it works when you're dealing with five freshmen in a starting lineup against grown men. We've seen in college basketball, you need to be old. So I don't think that it is a team that would be a top five team in the country. But it's the team that would have the most high draft picks in the country because Kaminga and Green are going to be two, most likely two of the top five picks in the country in 2021. It would be a very talented team, but usually when you're that young, you're you're not going to win at the highest of levels. So it would be a, a team you're really afraid to play from a talent standpoint. But one, if you're an opposing coach at a legit top 25 program, you're saying, you know what? We're bigger, older, stronger. We'll find a way. So like if I give them like I'm just going to pick like a, a middle tier college basketball power five program out of the hat. So let, let's say this this starting five was gifted. I don't know. Uh, Clemson's bench. Like, what are you saying? This is a 22 win team. This is like a, a, a 19 win team that sneaks in and then makes a run in the tournament. Like, you know, I just think this is this is a fun and ridiculous exercise to do I in July. <laughs> I don't think they'd be a top two seed, like either the one or the two line. I could see them in the three, four line range. I think that's possible. Though maybe like a five to seven would be more likely. I mean, I think they'd be a top five team throughout the year. I'm not sure that they would be a top 10 team. So it'd be a team who everyone, you know, in Vegas, you know, you, you wouldn't get great odds on 
for a whole variety of reasons, but they, you know, they'd be a team. Everyone would point to, man, if they put it together, man, if they put it together, then you would just keep waiting for them to put it together. <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like something we as college fans might might do. Um, so so let's turn to the G League. Uh, now that they've got a starting five, I guess there are going to be basketball games in the G League in addition to their workouts and, and their kind of sequestered life in Southern California. And our, our former colleague, Evan Daniels, ha- had said that, you know, as long as this is you know, the kids going to the G League or the kids going pro overseas, as long as those are, you know, fringe top 10 guys, fringe top five guys, you know, it, it'll happen. It'll be good kids going away from college. But once we start getting into the top kid in the class, then it might uh, pose a serious threat to college basketball. So I'm curious now that we have, you know, Kaminga reclassified. He's the number four in the 2020 rankings for us, but he was 20 uh, in 2021. He was number one. So we basically have a number one kid going pro and i'm curious you know does this uh mark a a different moment for you or is this just par for the course we're going to have guys who are in that elite tier who are eventually going to just going to take the money on the table i'm going to disagree with the great evan on this one i actually think that those top guys going to the g league is probably better for college basketball than you know a dacian nick and around ucla for two or three years in theory um, to me, like missing out on Jalen Green or missing out on Jonathan Kaminga, like we've seen what happens. I mean, college basketball survived just fine without LeBron freaking James. Like, did anyone say, oh, college basketball is going to die. LeBron went pro right away. No. no, of course you want him in college basketball if you're, well, at least you should. Now college basketball fans get really weird about one and done sometimes, but like, I mean, had LeBron James suited up at Ohio state or North Carolina, something tells me like that kind of would have been good for college basketball. But at the end of the day, like it's not going to ruin the sport. It's not a deal. Uh, Kids are always going to take a professional path in basketball. That's just what it is. And if that means five guys decide to play in Southern California, so be it. There's, there's a lot of other really good players and, and the brands of college basketball are what sells more than the individual. And you'll get a unique Zion Williamson case every now and again, but like did Anthony Edwards like really change college basketball at Georgia? Did Markel Fultz change it at, at uh, Washington? I mean, like college basketball would have been fine with him and would have been fine without him. I think a lot, a lot of stuff to unpack there. The, the year that LeBron would have gone to college was the year that Mello took Syracuse uh or was it? No, he wasn't no, because won. they were in the same. They were in the same draft. Which yeah, Melo's my age. Year. LeBron's one year younger. Hmm, that is an interesting way to date yourself. Uh, well, I have a mellow. I have a mellow jersey from Syracuse. I just feel like you know there will be guys uh, who go to college. There will be, and somebody is going to this year. Somebody this year is going to have a Cade Cunningham jersey from Oklahoma State, and someone else is going to have a Jonathan Kaminga G League jersey, and they're both going to be throwback jerseys, and they're both going to sell quite nicely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, people people love them some throwback jerseys. Me, I'm not a jersey guy. Don't wear jerseys, but to everyone who does, go for it. 
I have a really uh, we're we're gonna get about to get completely off topic, and I'm fine with that. I have such a hard time. I love jerseys, but I have such a hard time figuring out when is the appropriate time to wear them. And like the last three times I wore jerseys, I show up and they're like, "What the hell are you doing wearing a jersey here?" I was like, "I don't know. I just don't wear it enough, and I need it. It's a mellow jersey. Like I don't know. Mellow Syracuse is a sick jersey." So, um, you wrote an article late last night. <laughs> moving Jonathan, no transition, moving Jonathan Kaminga to uh, the 2020 class. You've slotted him in at the four spot. Uh, and yet there are a lot of people who are talking about Kaminga as potentially the, no- the number one pick in the 2021 draft, maybe even ahead of Cade Cunningham and the other guys ahead of him. And so I'm curious, you know, what kind of dropped him down from one in 2021 to four in 2020 for you? Um, this is that thing that so many people in basketball for whatever reason do they like value the unknown at this highest level. Like the new shiny toy is somehow the better toy. And that's just not kind of how it works. Like that's what gets, what you see a lot in the end, a lot of teams draft in the, in the lottery for the, for in perpetuity, basically it seems like because they keep valuing what they don't know about a kid instead of like, Hey, we've actually seen him be good. And they're like, well, we haven't seen this kid be bad at something, so that means we can make him good. That, that's not necessarily how it works. But in terms of where he slotted in and why, we all were in agreement, Jerry Meyer, Josh Gershon, Travis Branham, and myself, that he would not slot above Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green. We felt they were superior prospects. Um, the, the decision came between three and four and, and how we were going to do that in, in regard to Evan Mobley. Um I'll be honest, I was the initial vote. I voted him ahead of Evan Mobley. I just thought I'm not a big on ranking centers that highly to begin with, and Mobley is a center. But after talking it over with Josh, Travis, and Jerry, we all kind of came to the consensus that Kaminga, while he has a higher ceiling, also has a much lower, and there's a few more holes in his game. So we decided to slot him just below Mobley and put him in the four spot with the understanding that he he's probably the most naturally talented kid in the class, but he also has more bust potential and bust potential being a relative term than Jalen Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley. Do you think that Kaminga is like a lock to go ahead of Mobley in the NBA draft? I don't know about a lock. Some of that, some, so much of that is going to depend on team need and who's drafting. So I wouldn't say a lot, say NBA teams, are more inclined to draft someone with Kaminga's skill set over someone with Mobley's. Uh, that doesn't mean mean that he's a more effective player. It's just what their general inclination is when drafting younger prospects. Okay, so 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 let, let me let me dig in because I think this uh, Jonathan Kaminga example is a nice opportunity to kind of. Um, get under the surface a little bit on 24-7 sports' philosophy as it as it pertains to rankings. Because I know Jerry has told me that you guys kind of always have your eye a little bit to the future. At the end of the day, the NBA is the, the barometer for basketball skill and talent and development. Uh, and and I think if if I understood Jerry correctly, that you guys kind of always have an eye towards the NBA and the NBA draft. So how 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 would you say that that uh, calculation and and projection factors into this specific decision and, and your general decision making process in general? Um. Well, part of it is yes, the NBA draft is important, but where they're drafted isn't as important as how good we think they're going to be. Um. Just because we think. 
or I, I should say I, not we, just because I think it's more likely that Jonathan Kaminga is drafted higher than Evan Mobley, it doesn't necessarily mean that I think Jonathan Kaminga will be a better player than Evan Mobley in the NBA. NBA teams, centers aren't like running backs in terms of the fact that they have no value. Um, I saw I saw you ranting about that on Twitter this morning. <laughs> yeah. Like, so centers, like, they still have more value than, like, a running back who's the most replaceable position in all of team sports. Um, don't get me going on that. But, um, so, but teams are still going to be more hesitant on a center than they are a talented, versatile wing. So, the talented, versatile wing might be, might be drafted higher just because it can impact the game more if everything goes right. And NBA teams are always looking for that, like, next superstar. Whereas like Jonathan Kaminga could be a 10, uh, you know, like a 10 out of 10 talent in the NBA. Evan Mobley probably can't. He could probably only be like an eight and a half or an, but Evan Mobley's probably also his floor is like a seven. Jonathan Kaminga's floor is like a five. So you have to balance those things and determine who do we think is going to have the better career. Because ultimately no one cares if Sam Bowie got drafted ahead of Michael Jordan. You still look like an idiot if you ranked Sam Bowie ahead of Michael Jordan. <laughs> so, you know, our football guys, they they like to use the NFL draft as their barometer um, because that's the information that's available to them. And it sounds like you you disagree uh, philosophically that that the draft is, you know, only a, a reflection of team needs uh, and team situations that might not even have to do with on court things. And so at the end of the day, you're going to grade yourself against these guys, uh, long-term career performances. Tony, I think there's a difference between the macro and the micro on this. Like I'm listening, you know, like it, it can vary in a macro though, where it's like the entire draft odds are number one is going to be better than two. Who's better than three. Who's better than four. Who's better than five and so on and so forth. That's just reality. That's why, you know, like law of large numbers applies. But if you're asking about a specific situation, it's tough to point to like this specific situation is why we're going to do it this way. It's It's got to be a macro large scale view because when you start looking at one-offs, that's going to screw you up completely. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting. I think I think we're gonna have to do a, a longer thing on this. I know. I know. Um, our supervisor Luke Stampini uh, it was kind of thinking along these same lines, wondering, you know, do we have an organizational philosophy? And I think that's really informative for the people who who read our our, our content, your content, I should really say. Um, because I think it gives context, you know, not everybody's ranking the exact same thing, which I think uh, is why our composite product is so valuable because it, it puts all those different kind of perspectives and biases in one pot. It's a, certainly an interesting conversation. I don't, I don't really have much to add. You've been doing this for a lot longer than me. Um, I, I guess uh, for, for the people at home hearing how this is uh, long-winded and not so organized, well, that, that, that was planned, right? We didn't, we didn't come in here with an agenda. And so I, I want to come back to um, Kaminga's decision to, to choose the G League over college programs. Texas Tech obviously was uh, presumed a leader on the college side. Auburn, Duke, and Kentucky were also involved. Um, but I, I want to ask about Texas Tech specifically because, as many people know, uh, Kaminga's brother, uh, whose name I, I'm going to butcher, uh, 
Joel Ntambwe. He plays for the Red Raiders. And so, you know, I had a theory I've been working on since the spring that the guys who have the opportunity to go to the G League and then choose college are going to be the ones who have an emotional tie to college basketball, whether it's a family member on staff like a couple of the guys in our top five in 2020, or maybe someone like Zion who just always wanted you know to enjoy the pageantry of college basketball, whatever it is. And here we have an example in Jonathan Kaminga of a guy who spurned a family tie and, and went to the G League uh, anyway. And so I'm curious, you know, how, how do you, how do you uh, Break. What would you say to my take? I guess uh, in the context of Kaminga, definitely going right against it. Uh, well, Kaminga was always going to go pro. Really, I, I Texas Tech. I think they just kind of basically said, like, "Hey, if you want to come, you can, but we're not going to waste our time." And certainly, the other schools involved, they weren't wasting their time at all. Um, the expectation was he was always going to go pro. Now, a little bit different. Jonathan Kaminga. He, he's not native to America even though he spent plenty of time here, it's not like he moved here yesterday. Um, so, but he didn't have that deep seated attachment to college basketball and grow up watching college basketball, um, which t- kind of changes the, the equation where it gets unique is like Zion. I made 75 to a hundred million dollars by going to Duke that would not have happened in the G league. Um, there's a difference between being an Instagram celebrity and being a celebrity. And, you're not going to become a celebrity in the G league. You can become a celebrity in college basketball and you market. It's so much easier to market as a college basketball person because no one's a fan of, a, of a unnamed G league team. They all, there are no fans of unnamed, unnamed G league teams. They simply don't exist. Well, if I could, if I could push back on you for a second, I don't think there's anybody who's really a fan of like elite high school teams, and yet Zion, it's, it was it Spartan, Spartan Christian, uh, is able to get you know however however many million followers on Instagram, and you know so many of the elite athletes are getting thousands upon thousands of views on YouTube. No one's fans of teams on that level. I think, and and, and to push back even further, I think no one has become a celebrity from the G League yet. I think now with this first cohort, the the onus is now going to be on the NBA to prove that you can. Um, what I would tell you is I talk to people at Nike who do shoe deals. There's a 0.0% chance they were giving Zion Williamson a massive shoe deal coming out of high school. 0.0. And then by January, it turned into the biggest bidding war since LeBron James. You make a very strong point there. Like, I mean, it just wasn't happening. Uh, they're, like it's not to say you can't become popular. You can absolutely become popular by being a great high school ball player or someone play, theoretically playing in the G League. But to have a rabid fan base following means a lot more. Not to mention you're on TV. You know you're on CBS, you're on Fox, ESPN, whatever. The G League's not going to be. Um, people become from with you. They get to know you. They feel like they know you, even though they really don't. Um, For marketers, having that year of college basketball is worth so much more. Now, Zion's a one in a million situation, realistically, like that, that's not going to happen often. You know, as good, as much as Jalen Green have an unbelievable college career, like he might be like, he a very different player, but in terms of celebrity, like Trey Young, like Trey Young didn't sign a massive shoe deal. Um, so 
you know, there's something to be said, like, hey, take the money while you can. Now, I think that money's going to dry up. I don't see the owner paying half a million dollars a player when they're when their GMs don't even want this going forward, especially in a post-pandemic world, whenever we are in a post-pandemic world. Um, so I think like take advantage of it while you can, if you want to do it, because I don't think it's going to be around very often or very long, but you know, it's going to be a different case for different kids. And some are just going to want to play college basketball. Like ultimately like Cade Cunningham was never going to the G league. It's not what he wanted to do. If he didn't go to Oklahoma state, he was going to Kentucky. Um, and he had no real emotional tie to Kentucky. He just felt that best place for him. Um, you know, Greg Brown turned down a, a crap ton of money. I don't know how many crap tons, but a crap ton of money to go to Texas. You know, like he didn't want to go to the G League. I think that's just as just as normal a situation as one who will go to the G League. All right, that, that's that's also very interesting. I got one last question, and, and as as we've been doing in this episode, just jumping from topic to topic. Class of twenty, class of twenty nineteen, uh, very disappointing. At least in the the first year of output post high school. Class of twenty twenty one is now feeling pretty weak, but class of twenty twenty, like feels pretty strong now that now that we've seen pretty much all the kids in, in the twenty twenty class make their decision about where they're going to go. How would you how would you stack up this class twenty twenty versus twenty twenty one, twenty nineteen, and maybe the past I don't know a handful of years? Uh, you know, it, it's twenty twenty better. Um, Certainly at the top, it's better. There's no question about that. Now you start getting into how do you rank a class? Do you rank it by the top five guys, the top guy, the top 100 guys, top 200 guys? There's different ways to do it. Like some classes aren't great at the top, but have just a ton of depth. 2020 is really good. Um, I don't think it's one of the best. I can't remember which years each is specifically, but um, it probably wouldn't rank as like one of the best classes I've ever seen. The class with like OJ Mayo, Eric Gordon, Derek Rose, Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, like that class will go down in history. Isn't that 07? Um, it's a long time ago. I'm old. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's not that one, but it's a good class. 19 was a little underwhelming. 21, I think, has a little bit more depth than it's given credit for. But right now it doesn't seem to have the studs at the top. So it, it kind of comes to your perspective of how do you view a class? All right, well, that's all I got. You got you got any parting shots about Jonathan Kaminga, about the G League, about the classes of 2020, 2021? Got anything else you want to get on the record? I'd say I'd say everything is out there that I wanted to say. Amazing. Well, you can follow Brian Snow on Twitter. What's your handle? At bsnow247. Got to get him there, bsnow247. As, as our editor, Trey Scott, said, make sure to get Brian Snow on the show. He's got opinions. And the same goes for you guys on Twitter. Make sure to follow him. He's got good opinions. I promise you he was serious about the running back take. You can read him on 247sports.com. Lots of stuff about Jonathan Kaminga's reclassification, class of 2020, upcoming, uh, I imagine, articles about uh, class of 2021 topic to be determined this is going to be uh the end of this week's uh, for the 24 7 sports college basketball show you like what you hear subscribe wherever you get your podcast rate and review on apple Podcasts. uh but for brian snow for jonathan kaminga i'm tony levitt and this is the 24 7 sports college basketball show